Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Welcome to anything else potable. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you around 2.30 on President's Day, the Monday after All-Star Weekend, where Jason Tatum was named All-Star Game MVP, scoring 55 points in the game, a new record. Jay King, what's your biggest takeaway from All-Star Weekend? Did you enjoy the festivities? i going to be honest... I did not watch one second of the All Star Game, so I don't. I did not. I don't know. What You're. Happened. I wish I could have watched none of the All Star Game. <laughs> I would have been so much happier if I could have watched none of the All Star Game. I don't want to talk. I honestly don't want to talk about my hatred of the All Star Game too much because I feel like I just come off as just a hater. Um, but it seems like today the hate is widespread. Which which I can appreciate. It feels like I'm not the only one this time to believe that the All-Star game was just a disgusting disgrace of, of a non-basketball event. It was like, there has to be a point where players just decide to compete at least a little bit. Just a little. I'm not asking for full-blown, 100% effort. Just show me a little bit of competitive spirit. That's it. Like, just don't let Lowry Markinen go in for wide-open dunks and shoot wide-open threes and maybe try a little bit in the fourth quarter, too, when when the game is being decided. Like I, I'm not asking for a, a whole lot, but 
but yeah, so the game itself was bad. I thought the dunk contest was was really cool. Uh, Mac McClung put on a show, and I had a lot of fun watching the dunk contest. Three point contest was cool enough. Everything else I could have done without. Um, you didn't like the skills competition? Uh, that was some pretty <laughs> riveting stuff with the bounce passing and the uh, no one being able to shoot. That was pretty fun. I did watch all of All-Star Saturday and just none of the game on Sunday. I feel like that's the correct way to do it because I think the problem – you should have no expectations going into all like the All-Star game. If you've watched the past, what, five years? I know there was like one year where it was somewhat competitive, but – at least the first three quarters of the All-Star game is going to be absolute nonsense. So you know what I did? I just I, I watched The Last of Us, and I had a pleasant Sunday evening. I don't I I can't hear Jay King anymore. Hopefully uh, the folks out there, I'm seeing Aria M in the comics saying, bring back the shooting stars. I would have to agree. The competition where it was one old-timer, one WNBA player, and one current player, uh, I think would work. The shooting competition... From the skills challenge, I actually thought was a cool idea. I thought there's a way to kind of like engage in some uh, general strategery, but it just so happened that no of no players in the skills competition could shoot the basketball. If you put some actual shooters on that uh, court, I thought that shooting competition had some had some legs. Jay, do we have you back? And what you? I'm think? back. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, I thought. I'd lost you, but actually I was the one who was lost. So kind of the story of my life, I guess. <laughs> you're just eternally searching for me, but you didn't realize you're the ones that's lost. Yeah. So I have, I have literally no idea what you've been talking about this whole time. Uh, All-star um, skills challenge, the shooting competition, I thought was actually an interesting contest. It just so happened that none of the nine competitors could shoot. They've done that, that contest before. It just wasn't part of the skills challenge. It was like the shooting stars challenge. Yeah, and they had, yeah, and it was terrible stars. then too. No, it was great compared to compared to the bounce pass competition they showed or the relay race. This that was is way the better. lowest possible bar. Literally the lowest possible <laughs> bar. That bar is on the ground. We do, we do this every year. It always comes back and is you just shitting on the skills competition. You historically hate the skills competition. Doesn't everybody hate the skills? Is there one person out there who just? <laughs> thoroughly enjoys the skills competition there's not all right there all right jay king you are now the senior executive producer of nba all-star weekend and you're in charge of an event that happens before the three-point uh contest and the slam dunk contest what event are you putting on describe it to me i raise five million dollars and have a one-on-one competition like maximum dribbles like a three dribble rule What's going on here? Who, who are you going to get to do that? The, the stars won't even. You want to watch Matt maximum groups five for five million dollars. There will be people out there. That is a promise. And and would would raising five million dollars be tough? Maybe. But the basketball tournament is giving away two million dollars, and that's just for like washed up scrubs, not scrubs, washed up college players, guys who couldn't make it in the NBA to compete against each other. So you could absolutely raise a legitimate amount of money from sponsors to put together a one-on-one competition, and that, that's what games I would do. To, games to 11, ones and twos? What are we talking about? Game, well, like a tournament format? King of the court format? Yeah, it would, be, it would be a tournament. It would be get eight guys 
uh, have them play to 11, each game to 11, and three rounds, and that's it. You crown a champion. Yeah, I'd probably watch that. Everybody would watch that. It would be cool. And it would be a platform to shine light on actual basketball skills and actual stuff that actually happens in games versus a nonsense skills challenge. Um, if you're telling me you don't, but uh, honestly, honestly, <laughs> that's such an easy solution that I, the NBA must have thought of that. And there must be some issue with it, whether there's raising, it's raising the money, getting people to play, whatever, but it's pathetic that they can't even get four legitimate NBA players to dunk in the dunk contest. Like hey, you have to go, hey. you have to go to the G league and get a two way contract player who wasn't even on a two way contract at the time. He accepted an invitation to the slam dunk contest. And McClung was awesome. He was awesome. But it really is. It's sad that none of the stars want to compete in the all-star game and actually compete and actually put out a good product and don't care at all about doing that. Um, but I, I really don't want to turn this into me hating on the all-star game. I know you didn't watch it. Jason Tatum actually put on a show. And Jason Tatum, his back and forth with Jalen Brown was probably the single coolest part of the All-Star game itself. His shot-making display was just really, really impressive. Um, And I I know that there wasn't much defense being played, yada, yada, yada. But Jason Tatum, among a whole lot of players who didn't want to be there, was one of the guys who took it as an opportunity to show what he could do. And and really, like, when he got hot in the third quarter scoring 27 points, that was cool. That was cool. I, w- I, will, I will acknowledge that was cool. It was cool to watch. It was cool to see him go, him and Jalen Brown go at each other. Obviously, um, there is a. I did see a picture of the them going at each other, and all eight other players standing on the side of the court. Some of them with hands on their hips. That was pretty funny to me. Having not have it to actually experience watching it live, that did look humorous. And it's a cool thing that they um, were able to do that and be on separate teams to kind of create that. I did actually watch the entire draft before the. All-Star you watched game. the draft, but not the game. Yeah, the draft was the most compelling part of the television. The draft was like an hour long. It wasn't compelling It was entirely too long. Uh, but they'd never done it before, so I was curious about uh, how they pull it off. Got a lot of corny jokes from LeBron. Giannis not knowing the rules and picking John Morant. I thought that was pretty funny. It's always funny when someone messes up on live television. Um, but, yeah, that was about it. That was the kind of the highlight of All-Star Weekend was that and Mac McClung. And I thought I – thought, uh, What'd you call him? Max McClung, his name. Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you called him Matt. I, that was another highlight of All Star Weekend was people tweeting about Matt McClung instead of Mac McClung. That was uh, I really enjoyed that because people <laughs> it was people who just had no clue who he was, and then heard the announcers calling him a name and thought it was one thing. It was really another. Uh, so, but that's that's the star of All Star Weekend is a, a two way guy who. I don't think he's played a second in the NBA this season. I mean, he finally got Philly a championship after losing the World Series and the Super Bowl. I think that's nice. Got them out of the second round for once. That's another bonus. <laughs> to be fair, there was only two rounds. 
So yeah, but he got out of it as the champion. So I think we got to give McClung credit for that. I don't think I don't think you can escape the second round if it's the final round. Like the Celtics didn't make a fifth, or the Warriors didn't make a fifth round last year. They they just won the fourth round. He still only advanced to the second round. At what we call Jay King is a, a fantastic rebuttal, and I retract my point. You win. It's not, the Philadelphia <laughs> has not gotten out of the second round. Still, I was trying to be given the benefit of the doubt, but you know what? I was talked down off that point. Uh, any other? observations, rants, anything you want to add from uh, All-Star Weekend, any, maybe something the players said uh, before we move on to just previewing the, the kind of final 20, 25 games of this here Celtics season. Uh, I enjoyed Jalen Brown saying that the game kind of sucked and was not competitive <laughs> at all and it was a glorified layup line. And I don't think it was even a glorified layup line. Like Layup lines are cooler <laughs> than watching that shit. Uh, I really, I do sound like a hater, but, and, and, and wait, it's the, not that you the, sound like a hater. You are a hater. Just embrace being a hater. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hate things. They, they I want your hand. Your hands are tied. Let the hate flow, Jay. I would love to watch a competitive all-star game. And I just feel like the possibilities, if these guys would just even remotely compete against each other the possibilities of the best basketball players in the world playing against each other would be so cool. And I understand. As, as soon I understand as guys someone don't Jason get Tatum like, tears his ACL in that game, you would be like, oh, this is all an exhibition and it's pointless and they shouldn't be out there doing this stuff. No. No. Yeah, yeah you got no. Mr. bringing up Jason Tatum's minutes all year. As soon as Jason Tatum played He did play minutes. 35 minutes in the All-Star <laughs> game, by the way. Joe Mazzulla played him five more than any player, any other player in the game. Uh, That's because Joe Mazzulla is He played the goal. entire second half, which is was keeping, just hilarious. Did he really? That's <laughs> that's insane. I thought the whole point was like to cycle as many players in as possible, but it was just Mazzulla being like, no, Tatum – well, Joe Mazzola well, leaves Tatum in just to get 50 points. Uh, I guess he did that against the Hornets. Left him in to get 40 points it, against the Pistons, which he couldn't do, and maybe just left him in to get the uh, all-star scoring record. In Missoula's defense, uh, like first of all, these were not taxing minutes. Jason Tatum was standing there, on de- literally standing there in one spot on defense, watching guys go in and dunk or whatever they were doing. And then also in Missoula's defense, Tatum just got on an absolute heater in the third quarter and any coach would have been stupid to break that up. Like this is an all-star game. You want to put on a show. Tatum was putting on a show more so than anyone else. And you got to leave him to ride the heater. And (laughs) after the heater, it's now an Elam ending. And you're like, oh, well, Jason Tatum should probably be on court for that too. So I understand in this case why Missoula left him out there. I didn't think it was too egregious. Also, most of the best players in the world just were injured at that point. Uh, LeBron and Giannis were both out after playing a very minimal amount in the game. Durant, Steph, uh, they were out. Jokic and and Luka just clearly did not give a fuck about the All-Star game and didn't even want to be out there. So Tatum cared. And Tatum, Tatum was the reason, one of the only reasons that was an entertaining watch. Or uh, it wasn't really an entertaining watch, but he brought entertainment to an otherwise 
blah night. So salute to Missoula for leaving him out there. This is probably the one <laughs> the one time I will be on Missoula's side for giving Tatum an egregious amount of minutes. But it is hilarious, uh, hilarious that he played the entire second half in the All Star game under Joe Missoula. I just did, I just found that so funny. Did anyone ask Missoula about it after the game? It could have been you, Jay. It could have been you I, asking I about minutes after an All Star game. I wasn't there, but I wish I'd been there to just I, oh, I wish just Wash pepper him with it. questions. I about wish Wash had asked him that question. That that could have been very good comedy. Um, what else should we? Oh, what about the Tatum shoes? What What do you feel about his shoes? Uh, they're pretty cool. I don't know. I'm not a sneaker guy. I'm not a shoe guy. I like they. They look like uh pretty, pretty uh, pretty neat. If you ask it's, me, it's hilarious that he lied straight to our faces. Uh, like a month ago, the leak came out of his. Oh yeah, shoes. that's what I'm saying. It's like I I was like, how did I see these a month ago? <laughs> And and Tatum said that night that it wasn't even actually his shoe, and it was. It was the exact same. <laughs> it was the exact same shoe that was leaked. Uh, so m- maybe he had to do that because uh, Nike wanted him to, or Jordan Brand wanted him to, like try to keep it as secretive as possible. But he lied straight to our faces. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the black ones with the red, but some of the other colors I think are very, very attractive shoes. There you go. The I would rock. I would, if, if it weren't official like, J King seal of approval, these shoes are attractive, hot shoes, according to J King. Yeah. I, I like the white ones with the blue. I like the pink lemonade joints that oh, I believe wow. he wore in the first half. They so are. If anyone from Jordan Brand is listening to this podcast, and you need to part way with two pairs of shoes. I'm a size twelve. Jay, what are you, what do you wear? I'm a size thirteen, but I don't think I'm allowed to accept gifts from any company. Uh, I don't think thanks to employee policy. I don't think I am an employee of the Athletic. I am just a contractor. So if you want to send me any sort of gifts. Uh, feel free, Jordan Brand, or any other shoe company, or any other company. Uh, I can be bought. I will shill for you. Uh, that is my open door policy. Uh, this will be a fun time if they if we play the ads right now. Uh, Andrew Schlecht, if you're listening, play the ads now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. <laughs> And we're back. All right. We've talked about the All-Star game. Jay is a hater, but we're not going to focus on that. Let's talk about actual basketball. The Celtics have – it's weird that the, the All-Star game happened at this point. Like, it breaks it in the first half and second half. It's really the first three quarters of the season have already happened, and they have how many games left? Is it 20 – they are 42-17? and 17? So that is 59 games. So they have 23 games left. Did I do the math? That's, that's solid math. Oh, uh, thank you. 23 games re- left. Really putting your four Ivy League degrees together. Yeah, to, one of them was in statistics. So that's how I figured that one out. You know, when uh, went to the old Ivy League bag to figure that one. Uh, 23 games left. What, I guess, is the biggest storyline or the thing you are looking for the most in these final 23 games for the Boston Celtics? Uh... This is a question you just popped on me with no preparation, but you haven't been thinking about it. You you haven't you don't have a general thought about like what what's compelling about the Celtics for the final twenty three games of the season. The starting lineup, um, which is hardly ever played together, based on a number of reasons, mostly injuries. Are you assuming but, that that starting lineup? In, is the double big including Horford and Robert Williams? Because we do we know for sure that that's the the official starting five? Because I could see a world yeah. in which Derek White is uh, plays his way and is a starter in some matchups. I'm pretty sure the Celtics will start the same starting lineup they started last year when they're fully healthy and everybody's available. I know Derek White has been awesome lately, but the evidence we have tells us that Joe Mazzulla when everybody is healthy and Robert Williams is not on a minutes restriction, is going to start the same group Emil Dokin did last season. Um, that group has barely played it all together this season. It's been just like it was last season, just like absolutely stomping on opposing offenses, just like like lighting opposing offenses ablaze and getting stops whenever – Al Horford and Robert Williams are on the court. The Celtics defense is just impenetrable, just like it was last season. So I want to see that group in action again. I want to see how they can perform because obviously the defense should be there at an extremely high level. And I think the offense has improved from last year structurally. I think the offense has improved from last year. Um, just with guys' understanding of how to move without the ball, how to make decisions, all that stuff. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing over the last 23 games, if we see it a lot. Uh, who knows if well, we that's, will. That's what I was going to say, and something that I think is going to be interesting and it's directly related to that is it feels like something that's very important is both the health of Al Horford and Robert Williams, and I guess the whole the whole team, but specifically those bigs heading into the playoffs. And so is the 
the opportunity to rest those guys or to make sure that those guys are fully healthy, is that going to prevent the starting lineup from getting as many minutes as I guess you would like uh, to see for them to gel and to kind of get things together on offense? Because it does feel like the primary goal for this 23 games, obviously you want to end up with the one seed and don't want to fall really below the two seed because then you're opening yourself up to just like slightly improved first round opponent in the playoffs. But it feels like the primary goal is just trying to enter uh, the playoffs with everyone on the team being as healthy as possible. Yeah. And that should be the goal. Uh, They've proven for sure that when they are healthy or even moderately healthy, they're, if not the best team, one of the team, one of the smallest of teams on the smallest of teams with a chance to win the title. Uh, So, yeah, getting getting everybody healthy is is a huge huge piece of the last twenty three games. Um, what's another thing I want to see? I, I kind of <laughs> I want to see more of Muscala ball. <laughs> Moose, I, and it's 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 mostly just because he's the new guy in town, and I just think um, whenever there's like any bit of newness. And he's the only bit of newness, really, that this team has seen basically all season, with the exception of, like, Malcolm Brogdon at the beginning of the season and Robert Williams coming back uh, after missing the first 29 games of the regular season. But he is – it's been – I didn't – I guess I didn't foresee just how freely they would use him with – the team's other centers and how they would kind of supersize lineups. Um, and so I think it's just going to be interesting to see how, when they do get more healthy and do have more guys available, they work in Muscala, who is taking 11 threes per 36 minutes over three games with the Celtics, which is an awesome number. Like <laughs> that, That's like Steph Curry levels of get them up. Almost. And he came in with a clear mandate to shoot as much as possible. And he's listening to that. Yeah, that is truly Steph Curry levels of of get him up, which which is hilarious. Like think- Mike Muscala just comes in to one of the best offices of the league and he knows exactly what he's there to do. And he's there to fire when he's open, fire when he's slightly open, fire when he catches a rock. And that's what he's out there to do, and he's going to do it. And hopefully uh, continue to knock down shots. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics play when fully healthy. Marcus Smart is now back, and that kind of pushes Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon has pretty much stayed on the bench, but they're on the bench, and it just allows them to flex their entire depth and – those Muscala minutes, I think, could be key for lineups that don't involve Jason Tatum. I think we by, saw. By the way, you brought up Malcolm. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, you're not. This is, what, this is what we do. On you, you brought up Malcolm Brogdon not starting. It's hilarious. He hasn't started a game this season. Like they flat out refuse to start Malcolm Brogdon, no matter who is available, not available, whatever. Do you think it's they just won't start? It says so we can win Sixth Man of the Year. Do you think it's just like an agreement that like, hey, Malcolm, we're going to bring you in but we're going to make sure you get some hardware by never starting you in a game. 
Like no. your role is going to be very clearly <laughs> defined. Your role is very clearly defined. You are a sixth man. We're not even going to entertain the idea. Of <laughs> Brad just doesn't want to be considered a liar because yeah. before the trade, he told Malcolm he'd have to come off the bench. And he doesn't want so to, he doesn't <laughs> want to jeopardize six man. No, we'll, we'll start Peyton Pritchard if we have to. Oh, I think part of it is that they truly want to limit his minutes because of the physical stuff that he's gone through over the years. And, They've done a great job of that. Like he has been pretty available all season. He has been uh, able to make it through this season so far, um, pretty healthy. So mission accomplished so far on that front. But I think that's the biggest reason why. But it, it really is funny because they've been injured. They've had tons of guys out, and they just will not start Malcolm Brogdon no matter what. <laughs> Well, because of that reason, he, he plays a lot off the bench, and he's largely uh, the person in charge of the offense when Jason Tatum's not on the court. I think with the, the more depth and maybe adding Muscala, there's an opportunity there to have the second unit not be atrocious on offense. And I just think they will go a long way to maybe getting Jason Tatum some um, more rest or getting Al Horford some more rest or getting just the entire team some more rest if the second unit could be at all competent when Tatum's not on the floor, and I do think getting more depth, adding Muscala has the opportunity to do that. So, you know, we're clearly in the the depths of the season where I'm just looking for... And Sam winners. Hauser's back to making shots, too. Yes, the, the Legion of Boom lineup, as many people called it at the time, um, could return with him and Muscala uh, on the court. Do, like, do you think they could unveil full bench lineups? Absolutely. I think they could do White, White, Brogdon, Grant, Hauser, and Muscala as a full bench lineup right there. And I think they actually, that lineup could get buckets. Like everyone on that lineup can shoot. And so the opportunity to bring in a full bench lineup that can actually extend leads and maybe make it so the, the starters have to play a little less in the fourth quarter, I think it, it serves everyone of just getting a little bit more rest for the starters, but then also just having an option where the offense is not entirely reliant on, on Jason Tatum facilitating everything. Yeah, he has obviously, but that, that's how it goes with MVP candidates. Like you're going to have a lot in your hands, no matter what, because even if the other players around you are very good, you're just much better than those other players. And so Look, I mean, we're we're admittedly digging deep right now for some last twenty three game storylines. Uh, okay, I'm, I, I'm with, not I'm not I'm digging with... deep with this next one. I'm not digging deep with this next one. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. What is Derek White going to look like when the Celtics are fully healthy? And what is he going to look like in the playoffs on a consistent basis? That's that's one of the most important things to me. Can he adjust back to being just bench role player, Derek White? Now that this- not can he adjust back to it, but can he continue playing with this level of confidence, this so level he, so of bravado? Why would it not be an adjustment? I guess that is, but but not adjusted. Like, can he just channel that? Can he carry it over? Not adjusting at all. Can he just do that shit when everybody's out there? Um, it, it's a definition of adjustment. He is in a new circumstance, and he needs to adjust. I am saying that he does not need to adjust at all and that he needs to just keep doing the shit that he's been doing. Well, so, do you think he can do it? I, I That is one of the things that could define whether the Celtics won a championship or not. 
because last season, and, and they're different now, like they have different options to keep shooting on the court if he falters. They have Malcolm Brogdon, who can obviously give them offense they and allow them to go small, uh, give them another op- option to go small without Derek White. They could go big and go to Muscala at the four and keep shooting on the court um, without needing to go to smaller lineups. But I just think Derek White does so much for the Celtics. He is an incredible rim protector for a guard, like just totally insane how he blocks shots and how he impacts shots. Uh, He gives them energy as a screener. He can run pick and roll either as the ball handler or as the roller. He, he gives them so much. And when he is aggressive and I hate, I don't really love using the word aggressive because sometimes it's just a word people use to say that like, like just do more Um, when he does a lot and he's normally like, I don't know, but his mindset is, can be totally different from game to game. And he, if he stays as confident as he has been, and if he continues to shoot the three ball the way he has been, and not just like like the percentages, but will he just keep doing it without thinking about it when defenses sag off him, whatever? That's going to be really important for them because keeping him on the court is important for them because of how much he does. And I just think like if if he goes wrong like he did in parts of the playoffs last year, especially in the finals, then – then they are a much worse team because of that. Uh, and may, maybe this is putting like too much in Derek White's hands when when they're healthy. We just talked about he probably won't start. He's going to come off the bench. But I just think he's he's a really important piece. And if he's right and if he's confident and if he's giving them all that he's given them for most of the season, uh, but especially the last couple of weeks when Marcus Smart was out and Jalen Brown was out for some of that, then – they, he transforms them um, and allows those small lineups to just be awesome. So his his form in the playoffs is huge. You would hope that like the many weeks of great play and ability to put up, you know, like 20 and 10, like he did against that Bucks team, um, albeit in a loss, would give him, you know, some confidence moving forward. But uh, we don't know what type of adjustment he's going to make when he does move back to the bench. Uh, and so I agree. What I if he makes no adjustment at all? Well, then that's an adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> what? No adjustment at all is an adjustment in itself? Yeah, because this, no matter what, he has to adjust life? because he's in new circumstances. It, yeah. It's an internal adjustment versus an external this, adjustment. This is the dumbest conversation we've ever had. Yeah, it sounds about right. And we've had a lot of dumb ones. <laughs> Well, we debated the merits of wearing a chicken suit to a game last podcast, so I don't know if this is that much dumber than that. At least this is about basketball. Somebody um, said they thought the chicken suit was for some type of advertisement. It was a, on Twitter. I have no idea. I did not fact check that tweet. I have no idea what, who like even Popeyes? sent it. To me. It was I don't a child know. in it. The child was an advertisement. Then those parents are even worse. I mean, right. I would I would argue that getting money for their family is not necessarily worse. 
That's they're having a, labor and child a financial incentive for... Did they put that in a blind trust not to be given to that kid till he turns 18? Or are they just manipulating their child to make money off him like he was a child actor? I don't know. What, what else do you have going forward? Like, what else could help the define most, the Celtics season from these last 20-some-odd games? It's very, very simple, but it's just like standings watch. Uh, right now, the Celtics are a half game up on the Bucks. But the Bucks have played one less games. Um, we'll see what happens with Giannis's uh, wrists because our our man Timmy Bontemps reporting that he was traveling to New York to get a second opinion. Normally, that means the team doesn't like the first opinion. So we'll see what happens um, with the Bucks record there. I just think it doesn't seem like the Celtics have a, a huge chance of falling to as far as the three seed. Although the the Seventy Sixers are only three games behind. But I do think just with the way the standings are right now, there's a difference between being the one seed and just in terms of first round, first round matchup alone. Obviously, um, there's some implications like uh, in subsequent series about home court advantage. I think that matters a little less just because we saw the Celtics, or at least last year, were a better road playoff team than they were at home. And I think they, like, I think they would have no problem going into milwaukee or philadelphia and winning a a game seven on the road Uh, i think that matters less it's just in terms of like the ease of which the celtics can can get through the playoffs um as a one seed they're most likely playing the hawks the wizards or the raptors as the two seed they're probably playing the miami heat or like the knicks uh or then they're likely playing those teams as a three seed I don't think they would have any problem beating the Knicks or the Heat in a series, but it would just be a little bit more annoying. And as as like as many games you can add in just in playoff minutes, I feel like going seven games against the Bucks last year, going seven games against the Heat, like it did contribute to the Celtics kind of like breaking down in the finals. And I'm just looking for them to have the easiest playoff path as possible. And I think that comes with the four game sweep being the one seed. Are we sure that it would be a an easier playoff series against Miami. I, I'm saying it would be, no, I'm saying that's what you kind of want to avoid. I think Miami's like locked into the seventh seed. That's why it's so important to get the one seed. So you don't have to play the heat and, and don't have to play. I think the Knicks would be an annoying series to play. I think if you luck out and play the Knicks fall to the, or the Nets fall to the sixth seed and you're the three seed, that's fine. But I think the heat would be a very annoying first round matchup. I think the Knicks would be a slightly less annoying first-round matchup. And so if you can avoid either of those two teams, I think that is the preferable option. Give me the Hawks. Give me the Wizards. Give me the Raptors. Because that's yeah, the row. I agree. Because the Heat, I don't think the Heat are a great team this year. Um, but they're top five now in defensive rating. They And they force turnovers at such a high rate that I just think they would be it would just be an annoying series for the Celtics. It would be – they'd be turning the ball over. They wouldn't feel good about themselves coming out of that series. Uh, I just don't think it would be the type of series where you get a lot of flow. And maybe that doesn't matter. Um, but, I mean, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, the Celtics have seen those guys when – and Jimmy more so than Bam – but they've seen those guys like totally control playoff series against them um, and just be so good night to night that that is definitely a team they should want to avoid. Not necessarily because 
the Heat would be like favorites right now. The Celtics would be very large favorites in that series. But you just want, like you said, to to keep the miles to a minimum throughout the entire playoffs. Because last year, it was every series, with the exception of the Brooklyn series, was just so difficult and so physical and so taxing that by the end, they didn't have much left to give. Um, so I agree. I agree. Seating is important. Um, and, and honestly, like the Celtics, they have to learn from last season because last season in the playoffs, the other team's best offense was often the Celtics shitty offense. It was just like uh, they, forcing turnovers. They could not be scored on in the half court. Like nobody scored on even the Warriors didn't do a very good job of scoring the, on them in the half court as good as Steph Curry was. It's just when their offense was bad, other teams could score and Giannis got going, Jimmy Butler got going. Like that's going to be such a big deal to just manage the game and make sure that your bad offense that you don't play bad enough offense that it bleeds into the other side of the court. Like, and if, if they haven't learned that, then series are going to be long and they're going to ultimately regret the, the miles they put on their own legs uh, to close out series that will be far more difficult than they have to be. Um, And that, like that's, that's been their challenge all season. Obviously, you know, it's, it's been a very good season. It has been, they're first in the league. They've done an amazing job of overcoming the Ime Udoka situation and staying together through that. They have a locker room that's genuinely on the same page in a way that, that few locker rooms this talented are. Um, but their challenge, as much as all those things have been important, their challenge this season has been to learn from last season and learn to play like to execute at a high level no matter what and we can't really we won't really find that out until the playoffs come and until they're playing somebody really tough and and really talented in a series can they execute then can they problem solve then can they create good shots and not turn the ball over then so that's that's their challenge we will see, though. We will see. And, and honestly, like, as you look at the East playoff race, who are the teams that could, like, give them a tough series? I don't think New York could, honestly. I don't think. I think Miami could. I don't I think, think anyone below Miami. And I think the Cavs could. I don't think Brooklyn has enough offense to do it. Um. I'm I'm honestly not sure whether the Cavs could, but maybe they're. I mean, they're really good, but I just don't know if like they're really good in a way that will bother the Celtics in the playoff series. If that makes any amount of sense at all, it's like the the Cavs wins against the Celtics came very early on in the season, and I feel like we haven't got a chance to see those two teams play. But I just think the Cavs have a lot of length, and they also have guys who can go out and get buckets and just go bucket for bucket against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in Garland and Mitchell. And so the, the Cavs have the second best net rating in the league. Like 
it can certainly a case can certainly be made that they'd be one of the tougher matchups. I'm just I'm not sure if I buy them as a a real playoff team yet. I also this might be wild, but I also think that the Bucks could probably give the Celtics a pretty tough series. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And then Philadelphia too. Uh, like they would, it would be a totally different series against Philadelphia than a lot of those teams. But just from the standpoint of, can you stay out of foul trouble against Joel Embiid? Can you um, continue to score against a a Philly defense that's that's really freaking good? Uh, and maybe I'm not giving the Cavaliers enough credit because their defense is number one in the league, and I might be overlooking them honestly. But yeah, at like, least the I, Bucks. I'm more scared of the Cavs as a Celtics fan than I am of the Sixers at this point. I just think the Sixers have such a kind of like odd and disjointed team and a coach that is not very good at adjustments. And the Cavs have is just like much more of an athletic team with a much better defense that can cause turnovers, which can cause the Celtics kind of to break down. So I think in terms of threats to the East, it would be Bucks, Cavs, Sixers for me, and then probably the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I won't. I won't say you're wrong. Uh, I, <laughs> you don't have to. You could just, yeah, that's fair. We, we've come to agreement. I won't come say you're wrong. <laughs> say you, also wrong. Ha- you also have not said I'm right. So um, No, no, I'm, I'm not sure whether you're wrong or right. I, I guess time will tell whether you're wrong or right. That's the thing about podcasting is often we say shit that cannot be proven right or wrong. And, and that's kind of cool. people don't uh, – <laughs> We're not held accountable for the um, things we say on this podcast because the next podcast, when we're proven wrong, we can just react to that exact event. We don't need to necessarily refer to the fact that we were so wrong about what had happened. One take just bleeds into the next, which bleeds into the next. And then before you know it, you don't even remember what your initial take was. Yeah. And at that point, I, I personally would contend that anything is potable. Anything at all. Anything. Literally. Literally anything. Anything's possible. We'll be back with actual basketball to talk about later this week, probably after the Celtics play the Indiana Pacers. Thank you guys for listening. I don't know why I did this extra wrap-up, because I normally end by saying anything is potable, um, but I felt like it wasn't good enough, so now I'm here, but now I'm just kind of stuck in this loop where I... You're rambling, bro. Just fucking end it. I don't even know how to end it at this point. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.